Hello everybody and welcome to another comedian's interview for my blog and podcast A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 900 comedians and counting over the last 46 years. I'm genuinely delighted today to welcome my special guest, the wonderful comedian, Miss Angela Barnes. Yay! Hello, it's, how are you? I'm so happy to be here, Richard. <laughs> I'm sure every guest says this, but Richard Gill, everyone in comedy knows who Richard Gill is. He is the best audience member in the world because when Richard Gill laughs, the whole room laughs with him. <laughs> You're, you're very kind. Oh, it's a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for doing this. I'm genuinely delighted. Um, we're going to spend the next 45 minutes or hour or so to talk about your comic career. Um, I'd like to kick off by going right back to the start and asking you, how did you become a comedian in the first place, please? Well, it was a bit by accident, really, Rich, if I'm honest. Yeah. it's um, I, a bit like yourself, uh, was a comedy nerd. Um <laughs> That's why I think I relate to you so much, Mitch, because I used to love going to live comedy and I was yeah. really obsessed with it and, and loved watching it. And um, it never really occurred to me that, that stand-up was something I could do. It was for those sort of clever people, you know, that, um, and particularly, it's very different now, but particularly in the 90s, you know, when I was watching a lot of live comedy and stuff, it was mainly blokes, it was mainly yeah, right. white middle-class blokes yeah you know so it just never felt like it was really for me and um but i loved watching it and and what ended up happening was um i used to run a comedy night in brighton where i live just right. in a room above a pub and pretty much because i loved comedy like you you know and and it was just an excuse to get people to come to to brighton and i get to see them for free that way yeah yeah <laughs> so, and um and of course, I got to know lots of comics through doing that and stuff. And then eventually, it, w it was, well, actually, it was a tragic thing that happened. My dad died quite suddenly. So this was oh, in 2008. Yeah, you know, yeah. things like that. He was only 60, bless oh, him. And, and he died. And my dad was also a big comedy fan. Like, we used to watch stuff together, you know, and what, at least radio comedy was our thing we did together. Listen to that. And um, he always used to say to me, he used to come to the gigs that I'd put on and he always used to say, why don't you have a go? You know, because I used to do bits of Amdram and think, you know, I'd get yeah. up on a stage and, and do things other people had written, you know. And um, after he died, I just thought, well, do you know what? Life's short and this is something I love and, and I would love to do it. Um, but the problem I had, was, so at the time I was, what was I, about 32, 33, something like that. Yeah. And the problem I had was because I'd been booking these gigs, I sort of knew all these comedians. And so it was a bit scary to get up in front of them and have a go. And like, what if I'm really rubbish? <laughs> what if no, I can't, I'm going to make no. a tip of myself in front of all these people? So what I did in the end, I, um, well, actually, I, this, this is quite a funny bit of the story as well, because I worked for a, um, a sort of social enterprise charity in, in Brighton, worked with oh, homeless yeah. people. And uh, my boss at the time, she was absolutely brilliant, best boss I've ever had. And uh, they were looking at the sort of training budgets for the year. And I had a bit of money in my training budget. And um, so she suggested that there's this stand-up comedy course at the Comedia in Brighton, where I live. And she'd done it in the past and really enjoyed it. And she said, it's really good. It helps you with presentations yeah. and, you know, with confidence and things like that. I think it'd be good for you to do it. So actually, my work paid for me to go and do wow. a stand-up comedy course, Jill wow. Edwards course at Comedia. Yeah, I think they paid half of it and I paid the yeah, other half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it was like a 12-week course on a Saturday afternoon. I'd go and, and uh, it's like a workshop course. So you just sort of learn the basics of yeah, how, you know yeah. what a joke is and how to craft it and, and sort of about stagecraft, how to stand on a stage, how to talk to people, things like that. And I absolutely loved it. And... Um, yeah, I didn't really look back. I mean, I, I sort of, um, after I did the course, I, uh, so I sort of started doing open spots. I never thought it would be my job. It was just a fun thing to do, you know, and really loved it. And that was in 2000 and, 2009, I did the course. And then right. it took me a while to get the confidence to actually go out and do open spots. So I think I started doing open spots in 2010. So right. that's what, 11 years ago. Well, and, um it's yeah. in, it's interesting with that answer because um, I I lost my dad uh, in the t 2010s and he was a massive comedy mm. fan like I was, 
and uh, mm. his favourite joke was a Barry Cryer joke, and I, I love Barry Cryer. Who doesn't? <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, he's, uh, God. he's been on here. <laughs> he, it's been an absolutely extraordinary interview. I, 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 I managed to interview him. It was amazing. And, um, I, and my dad died in the April and I went to the Edinburgh Fringe in the August and I saw Barry Cryer and I told him this story afterwards. And he said, he said, I'm so, so sorry that your father's passed on, but I'm so pleased my jokes travel. So, <laughs> and dad would have loved that. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. So, you know, it was just oh. such a nice tribute. But, oh, that's um, lovely. Uh, I've been um, uh, to many, many a comedy night where I um, am the guest in the front row, the sort of like the friend who goes along and supports all the new and up and coming comedians. Mm. And I work on the reception in a school and, and the head of the department, uh, the, the, the old head of department became a standard comedian and this thing, this situation happened. And I had to go and listen to this routine for about 20 times for him to get better and better and better. <laughs> and he did, and he won the thing. Was it, was it like that at the start for you? Did you start in little pubs after your comedy course and then you were doing like five-minute spots here and there? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. my very, very first gig was at the end of the course. There was about, I think about 25 of us did the course. Right. And at the end, they did a little showcase, but only 12 of you got to do the showcase. So you had to audition for it. And I auditioned and I got onto the showcase and it was just a three minute set. Um, so my very first gig was on stage at Comedia in Brighton, which wow. is you know still my favourite comedy club. Yeah. And, um, and of course, it was packed out with all our friends and family, just the 200 odd people, most supportive people in the world, you know. And it, it's very hard to fail at that gig because the whole audience <laughs> just wants you to do well. You, and I was so nervous. In fact, Jill Edwards always tells this story about, about me because um, she had me sort of quite late on in the bill, but she had to move me to the first section because she said, you were so nervous, I thought you were going to collapse. She oh, was like, wow. I was like, I've got, I'm going to have to put her on earlier because I don't think she's going to make it. <laughs> um, so I, I was so, I couldn't eat. I couldn't, wow. And I'm one of those people, I'm terrible to be around when I'm nervous because what I end up doing is infecting everyone else with my nerves. <laughs> Backstage, if I'm nervous, you don't want to be near me because everyone else will be feeling fine about the gig and I'll come in, I'll be like, oh, this is scary, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that audience look a bit rough, don't they? Oh. And then by the time I've finished, everyone's cacking themselves you know yeah. so, <laughs> so wow. I think she was like right I better get her on the stage before she just destroys this for everybody. And um and of course because it it's three minutes but in front of a lovely crowd yeah, and all yeah. your mates and you know you come off stage thinking well I've, I'm a comedy god like this is easy <laughs> this is brilliant um but then of course you go out into the real world of the open mic circuit when it's four men and a dog in a room above a pub and it's like oh I'm not quite as good at this as I thought I was <laughs> um, you know so yeah it's a lot of that first sort of 18 months yeah. of just it's it's working out who you are on stage yes, you know what course, your sort yeah. of what your voice is and what your, uh, you know, just it, it, there's a lot of workings out to do. And, and the best comedians you see on telly now were, you know, we were all dreadful when we started. Um, I mean, I always use the example, I love James Acaster as one of my favourite uh, comedians is, ever yeah. and I love him. Yeah. And I used to book it when he was an open spot, he used to come and do my gig in Brighton quite a lot and he used to MC it. Wow. And, you know, like all of us, when he started, wasn't always great you know he would die on his art but what James Acaster did and this is the lesson that I really learned and I think new comics can really learn from is he worked so hard and when a gig didn't go well he would work out why he would record it and he'd go back over it and he would work out what went wrong work out what he needed to do and I and he used to stay at my house quite a lot because I lived in Brighton he was still living with his parents in Kettering because he was only a baby yeah 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 and course, um yeah. He used to stay at my house. So I remember I'd get up and go to work in the morning at like nine o'clock or whatever. And a and Acaster would be sat at the table, like working on his notes from the night before. Wow. Like he worked his ass off. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's paid off because once oh. it clicked for him, oh, no looking back. He's it's a genius. He's extraordinary, yeah. isn't he? He's, um, he's just effortless with it. It makes absolutely. it look so easy. But um, I think that's it with, with James. People go, oh, yeah. you know, it's effortless, it comes to it. But it's like, no, he worked his arse off for years yeah. to get to that point. Yeah, you know, yeah, and I yeah. think people yeah. don't necessarily give him credit for that. But that's a lesson I learned is like, oh, you have to work at it. Yeah. You know, you yeah. can't just keep going and doing the same 
thing and expecting to get better if you're not changing things and tweaking things and yeah, working at it. Exactly. Um, yeah. I've told I've told a lot of comedians this. I've I've actually had a go at stand up myself. Um, no, I I um, went to uh, uh, I know a, I know a promoter and I said I need to get this out of my system because I because I've seen so many of them. And he mm. said, "Well, um, he said it's a gong show for old people, and uh, you, can, you can go, you can go on and see how long you do." So I rehearsed this script. I wrote this script about crashing cars in Carlisle, and, and he liked it, and he thought it was quite good, and, and walked on. And, I, and my opening line was, "Ladies and gentlemen, people think I look like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, but I can't see the resemblance myself, which I do." <laughs> And one yeah. old bloke at the back just went, fuck off, and come me off. And I oh walked up to my sound in my footsteps. And the promoter said, have another go, have another go. So I went on, similar thing happened. And I said, <laughs> I said, I don't know how to do it. I said, I'll support them till my dying day. Never oh say never God. again. But, but um, you know, it's extraordinary, as you say. Being, being a member of the audience is such a gift to watch you all and that's oh. what this blog i hope oh. is it's an enthuse you know for it all um it's so, my enthusiasm so and i feel sad <laughs> that you felt you put, i want you to go and try again i want well, you to get back yeah, I up say there never, say never you know so. <laughs> <laughs> good um uh so you're doing these five minute spots mm. um was there a point where you thought i can do this i can do this well this is going well um, uh, did you ever find it difficult at all when you, when you were when you were doing it? Were you, did you have to find your specific voice, or was yeah. there anything that you think uh, put you off? Or um, well, it's very hard to make that sort of transition yeah. from open spot to to pro, for want of a better yeah. word. But yeah. I what I always used to worry because you go to the, I go to these open mic nights um, yeah. mostly in Brighton because that's where I started but sometimes I get the train up to London and do the open mic nights and you'll know what it's like you've been to open mic nights sometimes there are deluded people <laughs> <laughs> and you see them get up and they die on their ass for five minutes yeah. absolute silence and come off stage and think they've done really well and and I was really paranoid that I was one of those people I was like am I just hearing the laughs in my head and they're not really there you know I was, I was never quite sure that whether it was you know whether I was doing all right or not it's yeah. really hard to judge yourself you know mm. and so it was when um up the creek in Greenwich used Knowing to do well, yeah. um they used to do just like an open mic night on a Thursday night and I went up to that one night and and I didn't know till I got there that it was a competition that they like you know just did it like a you know there'd be a winner at the end of the night I hadn't realized that yeah and I did my five minutes and it went all right and I I ended up winning the night congratulations and thank you and um and I've been at that point I've been gigging about a year 18 months something like that on the open mic circuit and um someone came up to me and said um uh, have you entered the BBC new comedy award the the entrants are open at the moment this is in 2011 and I said, oh, no, I don't think I'm ready for that yet. And she went, well, she said, I, I, she, and it was actually, it was, um, oh, gosh, I can't remember her name, Ali, who works for CKP, who are a big um, agent. Yeah. And um, they're called something else now, but they were called CKP then. And, um, and she said, I think you should enter. Like, I think, you know, you're doing really well tonight. You've got a really good five minutes. I, I think you should enter. And so I thought, oh, okay. And, um, and it was, the, I remember it was the day before the closing date for the competition. And this was in 2011, but the BBC at that point still hadn't worked out MP3. So you had to actually post a CD <laughs> with your recording on it. And, and I, didn't, I, I didn't have time to post it. So I went back to Brighton that night, downloaded a recording onto a CD, and the next day got the train back up to London and handed it in at the BBC. Wow. Because <laughs> I knew if I posted it, I'd miss the deadline. <laughs> yeah, and I just thought, because this woman had said it to me, I thought, I've got, I've got a feeling about this now, I need to do it. And, yeah. and sure enough, I ended up winning it. The, you know, it was 2011. And really, that was the point. It was winning that, the right. New Comedy Award, that made me go, oh, okay, maybe, maybe I can do this. You know, maybe yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not deluded. And, and actually... Oh, turns out other people think I'm funny. That's good. And it, <laughs> so, and it took off from there. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but yeah. but as you were saying, um, doing all the gigs up to that point and beyond, it's all mm. experience, whether good or bad. 
because it yeah. makes I think you have to go through the difficulties to become a better comedian absolutely you know? that is what I learned from yeah. James Acaster that's yeah. what he said to me when I started out it was like it's really tempting because when you're starting out you record all your five minute spots yeah yeah um because mostly because you know sometimes you think of something on stage and say it and then you want to remember what it was you said you know if it was got a laugh um so i'd always record my gigs and of course it's hot listening back to a gig that you died at or you had a bad time is painful and you want to listen back to the ones that went well right you want to go oh listen to me i'm brilliant but they don't do you any favors he said you have to listen back to the hard ones because they're the ones you learn from yeah and and it's the best advice because although it's you know cringing and and painful and embarrassing to listen to yourself reliving that moment when you died on stage nine times out of ten you work out exactly what happened and you learn not to do it again it's fascinating it really is Um, there's a there's a testimonial section in my blog where um a a lot of the comedians have said very nice things and james acaster gave me the perfect testimonial he said if i wasn't a comedian i would sit next to richard gill all day and make him laugh i get that completely <laughs> I, i'll never forget the first time doing abc doing always be comedy and it was like i don't know who this guy is but i want him on all my gigs all of them i remember saying that to james like and of course, everyone assumes you're related to James, I, who runs that, that the, so got the same last name. He's my so I was like, is that brother. your dad? Is that your brother? Because <laughs> I want him at all my shows. <laughs> I wish we were related, but I, I, I must find the family. I do have an older brother, and he's nothing like him. <laughs> Such a anyway, um, uh, so what do you generally like to talk about on stage? Do you have any themes? Do you have any... Um, routines that you like to do again and again or well I think because I sort of ended up quite by accident being a a sort of topical comic you know doing news quiz and mock the week and news jack and things like that and it it wasn't necessarily what I set out to do but they're just shows that I really like doing and you know and writing about the news is great because there's always a turnover of stuff to talk about yeah but initially and, and certainly you, know, you get to a point where you sort of mine your own life for quite a long time. So obviously I did the I did the obligatory my dad died show. Um, you know, every comic with a dead parent has to do a show about it. That's the yeah, law. Yeah, so I did yeah, that yeah. in 2014, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and you know, you talk about your own life because they're the things that are unique. They're the things that other people, you know, things that happen to you, yeah, other people yeah. can relate to, but it's your story. You're not copying anyone else you're not likely to come up with the same material when it's your own life you're mining you know sure yeah and so i remember i remember when i met my so i'm getting married later this year hopefully congratulations um, thank you fingers crossed boris doesn't screw yeah. up the whatever but um, fingers crossed fingers crossed oh. but we i remember when we got together sort of seven years ago now and my agent saying oh no i hope this doesn't mean you're too happy because <laughs> reputation for being a bit of a world weary you know 30 something <laughs> single and you know all of that and he was like oh god she's gonna get happy now and then she won't be funny anymore <laughs> and I, I remember my agent that. saying to Matt like you've got to sometimes treat her badly so she's got something to write about you know <laughs> well, but there's um, always something to write about and yeah. now I'm sort of I love being in my 40s I love it so much I, being in my 40s suits me more than any other ages do <laughs> don't give a shit anymore no. anyone, you know and and i love that you sort of get to a point you go well i am who i am now that's yeah, not yeah. gonna yeah. change and things like so i talk a lot about you know being child free by choice and because yeah, yeah. so many people relate to that and yeah. you know lots of comics talk about their kids which is great because that's a good source of material yes yeah yeah but yeah. it's it's sort of we're looked at as a bit weird as, as people who choose not to have children so i think that's quite a nice it's nice to talk about things that can make people feel normal when society yeah. makes them feel like they're weird, you know. There's a lot there's a lot of relatability in your comedy, I think, that that is endearing um mm. and you win over an audience very easily with that and and it makes them want to listen, you know. Oh, um, that's really nice. No, 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 it I, is. I I think it's really important that because we've got this sort of idea of what relatable means and I yeah. think I think the key is being relatable doesn't mean someone has to have the same life as you. Yeah. It just means that they can communicate to you why they think and do the things they do. You know, so it's not, 
I, people who have got kids can relate to my material, I hope, sure, as much yeah. as people who haven't. Yeah. But it's that sort of, um, I don't know, kind of... I always say I never want people coming away from my shows thinking, you know, oh, I wish I could be like her. I want them to come out away from my shows going, thank God my life's not as good as, uh, like hers. Yeah, like, yeah, thank God yeah. I'm doing better than she is. Like, that's my job. I think as a comic, your job is to be the butt of the jokes and also make people feel good about themselves, you know? Yeah, Just, yeah exactly, like, yeah, yeah. Your lives aren't that bad. Look what I did yesterday, you know, or look what I've been up to. And I know it sort of gets harder to do, because people perceive, you know, she's on the telly, she, she must be rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she yeah, my bank yeah. account. <laughs> um, you know, or she must live in a nice house. Well, I don't, I live in a two-bedroom ex-council flat, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. not, the life that people think you have when yeah. you do a bit of telly is not necessarily real. So it, I think it gets harder to, to keep that relatability but I think it's really important to be like your life doesn't have to be the same as mine yeah. for us to you know for you to get the jokes very you know much I mean. so um, can, I, can I just say as well um, I cannot believe you're in your 40s <laughs> I, I turn I turn fifty four in August and with me they're no. all laughter lines. <laughs> well, I always say when people say to me, "What's your What's your key to looking young?" I say it's that I get up every single morning and I don't have any children. Well, there That's you are. <laughs> <laughs> that is my key and, to staying yeah, exactly. looking young. And, and, and is I still get lay-ins <laughs> with the, with the um, relatability as well. Um, I did a. I did a half day writing course for my blog and uh, everybody who I was with wanted to be a reviewer and uh, the woman who invited me said we forget who you are and, and, and why you're here and I said well you invited me and I said can I just say I'm not a diarist, I'm not a critique, I'm not a reporter, I'm a member of the audience out to have a good time and I think that we're not here to hear anybody else in the audience. We're here to hear what the comedian has to say, mm. and um, you know, it's 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 wonderful that you that that you have themes and you want to talk and you're and and you know, it's an it's an extraordinary thing that 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 you do because um, there are always punchlines at the end of it that that will keep audiences, as I say, engaged in relatability to what you say, and. Mm. Um, Thank you very much for all you do. I think you're very you're, oh, you're one of my favourite comedians. You really are. Oh, Rich, you're my favourite audience <laughs> member. So. Um, I think it's. I mean, the kid. The, the, you got one job as a comic. Yeah. One job, and that is, are they laughing? Yeah. And you, you know, be funny, haven't you? Yeah. yeah and yeah. and it's fun. You know, obviously because I'm a woman who has the audacity to be on telly sometimes yeah. or whatever, you get the idiots on Twitter going, oh, you're not funny. And I just think, well, I am. Otherwise, I wouldn't have my job. Yeah. So, and, and, <laughs> you know, it always makes me laugh at because we all agree comedy is subjective, right? We yeah, all like different so, types yeah. of comedy and things. Yeah. So by that very nature, I can't please everyone. Yeah. And if I start trying to please everyone, uh, that is just you're just gonna fail you can't do it you know there's always gonna be people who don't like your comedy yeah and that's fine and they'll go on twitter and go oh you're not very funny and i what i just think about those people is well how entitled are you that you think everyone on telly has to cater to your exact tastes exactly you know yeah if we all agree that we have different sense of, of humor which i think we do all agree on then some of it's not going to be yours and that's yeah. watch something else you know what you're you have I haven't got any other channels to watch. What's that's a, that's exactly know. right. I mean, I I I've taken a very positive stance with my blog, um, mm. and because I've seen so many of the comedians, if I'm not such a big fan of the comic, I'm very workmanlike. I'm very very positive in what I say, but mm. the ones that I absolutely love, I really go for. So no. people people can <laughs> look at it and say, all right, this is what's happening here and this is who this person is and this is, I might go and see them, you know, and if, if I can get somebody to go and see it, then the blog's obviously right. done oh, it. I wish, um, wish so. all bloggers were like you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so, reviewers actually sometimes, you know, you'll, you might not, reviewers like everyone are human beings apparently, yeah. and um, they have their own tastes, yeah. you know, and you might not be their taste, but it's very frustrating when you sort of, a reviewer comes to see you, you're not their cup of tea, that's fine, but you still got, you know, a room full of people laughing, yeah. and then yeah, they give yeah. you a two-star review, and you're like, well, 
That's, just because you didn't that's like wrong. it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Two hundred other people yeah. there did, and you know, exactly. maybe two stars is a bit unfair. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's a whole other world of that you have to deal with. That you know, you try not to what worry I, about. But um, what I like to do is to go to a comedy night, and if there are five, five, uh, five people on the bill, if I haven't heard of three of them. Uh, that's fantastic if I haven't read right. about them or anything because it's the magic of discovering somebody new or somebody original it's 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 wonderful let's yeah. let, let's go back to um I'm intrigued about this because whenever whenever I've seen you on stage you you always appear very confident and fearless <laughs> with an audience um you mentioned before about nerves do you still get nerves before you go on stage and if if so how do you cope with them I do sometimes. It very much depends on the gig. Like yeah. if I'm going to do James Gill's gig, for example, yeah. I won't be nervous about that because I know it'll be fun and it'll be lovely yeah. and you'll make sure everyone laughs and it'll yeah. be fun. <laughs> um, you know, so the, gigs like that, I don't get nervous about anymore, but some I do. Um, you know, sometimes you walk into a room and you think, oh, this is this doesn't feel quite right. And I'm, yeah. you know, um, I think... <sighs> Nerves are a funny thing. I, I, I always think my on-stage persona, if you like, it's it's me, but it's an, a heightened version of me. I think a lot of comics, yeah. that's what they would say. It's them, but it's this sort of heightened version. And I I always say doing stand-up, it's a bit like it's the, the swan thing. You know, you look calm on to, inside. You can be going, shit, 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 shit. I'm scared. <laughs> and I think it's, it's a confidence trick, really, for the audience. A lot of it is as long as the audience are confident in you. Because the minute the audience thinks you're nervous, they're oh, nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they start getting tense and worrying about you. Yeah. And if they're tense and worrying about you, they're not going to laugh. They're too tense. Yeah. You know, so as long as you look confident, that's half the battle. Yeah. Look confident. And, and so, for example... You know, and I used to go and do um, Up the Creek on like a Friday night and it'd be really rowdy and I'd be like, oh my God. So I'd just, I'd just go on with a bottle of beer just to give me a bit of swagger, <laughs> you know. And it does something psychologically to the audience. They're like, well, oh, she's confident. She's just drinking a beer and doing her, you know. While inside, I'm like, please don't shout at me. Um, you know, but it, yeah. it's all a confidence trick, really. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I think I've, I've always been quite lucky in being able to to cheat it to sort of look like i know what i'm doing even when i'm actually really nervous it, um and that's uh, uh, it's a kind of a lucky thing really because i know yeah. some people just can't hide their nerves yeah yeah um, it is it, think, yeah. it is one of the hardest things to combat um, uh, but but it always it always reminds me um when i was very small we went on holiday to Torquay, a family holiday to Torquay. And um, as a treat, we went to see Tom O'Connor. This was in the 70s. At, oh, at amazing. The, at, the, at the Festival Theatre painting. I'd be about 10. And um, uh, he sauntered on. And it was where I discovered my laugh because he actually made me laugh. But I didn't realise I was that loud. And I was so <laughs> loud, it actually floored him. And he couldn't continue. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought, I've got oh. something here. Yeah. <laughs> this is my USP, right? It's funny so, you should say that. We're very similar because we used to go on holiday. We went on a holiday to Torquay. Yeah. In the, it would have been the very early 80s. Yeah. And uh, sort of went to see Little and Large. Oh, brilliant. And do you know who their support act was? It was Michael Barrymore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember Michael wow. Barrymore getting my nan up on stage. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was a, he was an exceptional clown. You know, you had to give him. He was. He, he was. He, he was. was. I mean, for years, my nan but... absolutely loved him, yeah, and she, yeah, yeah. you yeah, know, yeah. she 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 passed away before the, all the sort of what's the you know scandal oh, happened and all of yeah. that. So yeah, yeah. she never, yeah, mm, she she yeah. as far as she was concerned, yeah, he was a he was good okay. man. Um, <laughs> Let's move on to Edinburgh. Um, I've, I've been mm. going to the Edinburgh Fest Festival since 2005. It's my holiday, and I go and see about 50 comedians or 50 shows in a week. I'm absolutely shattered, oh. but I, I cannot I get enough of it. shattered thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I, I'm intrigued. What was your first Edinburgh Fringe like? What year was it? What feelings did you have about it? Well, the the first year I went to the Edinburgh Fringe and did a show, it wasn't as a comedy show. I was in a student theatre company when I was 18 right. and we went and did a, a play. I, 
1995 that wow. was and I mean we were one of those awful you see him on the Royal Mile you know those awful <laughs> theatre student companies that and we performed to about three people a night and it was pretty <laughs> terrible but the experience was incredible yeah. and while I was there I I like you you know I was like I can just watch loads of so yeah. I don't have to show at four o'clock in the afternoon or whatever it was and the rest of the time I was just watching comedy it was yeah, brilliant yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was my first fit. and I used to go as a punter um sort of not every year I couldn't afford it every year but you know every now and then I'd go up for a weekend or whatever and see what I could see and I absolutely loved it and the first year I did now let me see it would have been 2010 I was <laughs> yeah 2010 I went up um I just started doing open spots uh but I went up as a tech so I teched shows right. for other people so I had an Arnie's show that year and who else did I take that year there was a sketch group called The Leftovers who aren't doing it anymore, but I text them. Right. And then in 2011, it was really funny because I went up again as a tech, um, but to do open spots while I was up there, you know. And I was teching Nish Kumar. Nish I was in a double act then with um, Tom Neenan. Wow. And they were called Gentlemen of Leisure. Right. And I was their techie, right? Right. So this was august 2011 now in june 2011 so two months before edinburgh i won the bbc new comedy award yeah so suddenly everyone's like what are you doing in edinburgh and i was like well i'm taking nish's show <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so nish sort of you know rang me up and said well you're not going to want to tech our show now are you you're going to be doing your own show I said, no, I've said I'll take your show. I'll still do it. Because it was, it was a sketch show. It's quite yeah, complicated. Yeah, you know, yeah. we've been rehearsing it. I was like, no, I'm still going to honour that, you know. Yeah. So they had on their flyers for their show, it was like, teched by BBC New Comedy Award <laughs> winner. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Even though I didn't say a word in the show, I was just twiddling knobs at the back. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> so that was 2011. So I, I in 2011, I was just doing open spots. And then 2012, I went up and did a two-hander. Right. Uh, so like half an hour each with um matt richardson brilliant um, what a comedian he's a really good here. mate of mine yeah. i love him i like man. i always call him yeah. my comedy baby brother he's, yeah, he's brilliant because um, he was like 19 when he started and i was 33 wow. and i used to be a bit of a mother hen to some of the younger boys they'd be all on their best behavior around me you know but um i absolutely adore matt richardson and yeah. he yeah so we did a show together that's brilliant and then yeah, in 2012. And then 2014 was my debut solo show. And have you so, been yeah. doing them yearly ever since or every other year? Or mm, I usually do... Well, I usually do... So, so I did 2014, 2015. I didn't do 2016. Right. And I did 2017 and 2018. Didn't do 2019. Yeah. And, of course, I was going to go back last year. Last, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> obviously, yeah. similarly um, this year, it's not happening. So hopefully next year I'll be back. Well, um, I'm I'm a, a massive fan, as you know, and I've seen your solo shows Fortitude and Rose Tinted, which I thought were fantastic. Oh, and I've also seen you, you many, many times as a guest in comedy clubs. Um, please, can you describe your writing process, if you've got one, and where you get your <laughs> ideas from? I'm glad you said if you've got one, because <laughs> mine's very loose. The reason I threw that in is very that two of them haven't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny actually because I've recently like in the last few weeks I've been diagnosed with um, ADHD oh, right. and a lot of things have suddenly made sense about right. my life since getting right. that diagnosis <laughs> and I think one of the things is I'm absolutely incapable I cannot do it I cannot sit down and go right today I'm going to write jokes right. just can't do it not happening um, and I know some comedians can do that. I know some comedians uh, treat it very much like, you know, from nine to five, I sit, I have my lunch break, and I like a, a nine to five job. For me, doesn't work that way. All that happens is I sit crying at a laptop screen, you know, Aww. going, why won't it come? Um, <laughs> and, and I've sort of learned over the years that, that the process doesn't matter. It's the end result that matters, yeah. you know. So for me... What I do, I'm a compulsive note taker. And I also don't trust my memory one little bit. So every time I think of something that I think is funny or might, you know, might have something funny in it, I write it down or I put it on my phone. Or if I'm driving, I get Siri to take a note of it. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Which very often I then have to translate what Siri's written and try and remember what I actually yeah. said, <laughs> um, which is always fun. But I... So, 
so I do it that way so that then when I do come to go right okay I've got you know I've got to get some new material together I've got lots of starting points I've got lots of ideas yes. and I've got lots of I sort of know where I'm going I yeah. kind of tend to start with the the punchline if you like and then or start with the the core punchline yeah. and then build on it um and so a routine might start off as one joke and end up as 10 yeah yeah you know yeah. and and, it, and it'll sort of build gradually what? so i sorry I, I was just going to say one of one of my favorite parts about your act and i was trying to remember the phrase for it is when you tell a, a joke and there's a punchline you're very good at adding on two or three more punchlines so the audience keep laughing. And, yeah, and, and you're one of the best at doing that. Yeah, oh, yeah. thank you. Well, it's funny. I, I did, the, you know, Stu Goldsmith's podcast. Yeah. I did that a few years ago. And honestly, I loved Stu Goldsmith. It was like therapy, that <laughs> podcast, because he got stuff out of me that I was like, oh, God. Yeah. Um, but I, I did realise, and I stand by this, that the reason because that's often picked up on with me is that I do toppers and I do toppers. you know a routine will have lots of jokes along the way yeah and and I say the reason for that is I'm such an anxious person that if I don't do that if I leave it a long time till I get a laugh you know or, or too long I start losing faith in it yeah completely yeah, yeah, you know and if yeah. i lose faith the audience is gonna lose faith wow. whereas if i can build in a laugh at least every sort of 20 seconds then i know that i, I feel safer i'm like oh it's okay they've got oh, you know That's if they don't laugh at this one i know there's another one coming along in a yeah, minute yeah yeah. So, yeah, yeah you know what i mean it just yeah. it, uh, so it's more out of anxiety than anything wow. else well you are superb at doing it because oh, you always you. i mean i'm loud enough with the laughter but everybody i take <laughs> with me will recognize the toppers like you say and there's another one coming and another one coming, and you're so good at doing that so oh, thank you again me. um no thank you uh you've made regular appearances on tv and radio most mm -hmm. notably on tv's mock the week and as a guest on live at the apollo and also as the host of news jack and the news quiz and the now show on radio 4 which i've been in the audience at many a time how do you think, uh, how does TV and radio differ from live stand-up? Do you mm. think it does? Uh, um, can you say what you like or how do you mm. think it, it differs at all? There, there's a, the, the big difference between you know, live stand-up and, and radio and telly is that in radio and telly, there's an edit process. Right. So in you, you know a lot of the stuff that i do on radio and telly has an audience in the room uh, be it mock the week news quiz whatever you have an audience that's there mm. but you're also playing to the audience at home right and what the audience at home get isn't the same as what the audience in the room get yeah because so for example you take mock the week it's a 28 minute show it edits down to we record for over two hours yeah 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 so yeah. You do play it a little bit to the people in the room, but you always have to have in mind what's going to be in the edit. What what is going to you know? So, for example, on Mot the Week, I can't do a ten minute rant about something because a ten minute rant about something isn't. They're not going to spend half the show with me having a rant. <laughs> That's just not going to make the edit. You know, so it has, you you sort of have to think about things a little bit different it's not just about keeping the people in the room yeah, happy yeah. while you want them laughing in the room they're not the two million or whatever people who are going to watch it later mm, mm, you've got I to keep see, them yeah. happy so it's a different it's a very different dynamic and also it's just the things you have to think about for telly and radio that you don't so much in a live show yes, the fact yeah, that yeah. that the lawyers are going to be checking it over you know right. so there's certain things you can't talk about so for example if there's an ongoing court case involved with a new news story, yeah, then you, there'll be certain things you can't say, you know, or, you're, or they can't broadcast. Right. You might say it in a live show, but you can't. They can't broadcast it on telly. So you've got little things like that you're thinking about, um, and and just the dynamics different. Um, you know, stand, obviously the dynamics different between stand up and and panel shows or sure. whatever yeah. and there's, you know, you're bouncing off other people which stand up you're always on your own you know you've yeah. just got yeah. you yeah. you yeah. haven't got that sort of re call and response thing going on you know yeah. where somebody yeah. might say something funny and you can do a topper and they do one back to you yeah. and it's all 
it's all good fun and banter um whereas but even doing stand-up on telly so doing live at the apollo for example yeah was one of the most terrifying things I've ever done in my life. I've, I had, I've only done it once, and I had, um, I had whooping cough. Oh <laughs> <Believe>. no! <laughs> yeah, when, you, when you listen to it, if you watch it, you'll see. Like my voice is just. I mean, I've got quite a rough and ragged voice anyway. But on that, I'm properly like wheezing my way through it. And um, and and obviously the Apollo in Hammersmith, massive venue, three thousand people. Times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's it was incredible to do it but I was just it's yeah. so nerve wracking to walk through and there's all the smoke, the smoke and the, and and the yeah. lights and you just go oh my god there's been a terrible mistake <laughs> I'm not I've, ready for I've it I've been I've been and in the audience for the recording of it and it must no, be what, terrifying when you walk through and, and it's smoke and it, you know you, you can't see where you're going and suddenly the lights yeah. are there I can imagine yeah there's, there's like a little box on the stage and yeah. they sort of say Right, don't leave that box until because the the scenery sort of lifts up in front of you, and they're like, just stand in that box until you can see where you're going. Because otherwise, you're just going to walk into the scenery. Just sort of put in this little box, like going, oh my god, I can't. And and of course, the difference about doing stand up on telly, particularly live at the Apollo, yeah. is you'll know when you go and watch stand up, the audience is sat in the dark, yeah, right? yeah, and yeah. that's the best way to be because when you're in the dark as an audience member. You can lose your inhibitions. No one can see you, you know, so you can laugh, you can do your <laughs> snort laugh. It doesn't matter. No one can see you and you're all one big entity. It's fine. Yeah. Whereas in TV, the audience are lit because they cut away to the audience right. laughing. Yeah, yeah. So suddenly you walk out on stage at the Apollo and you can see 3,000 people. <laughs> I usually at the you can see the front row and then a load of darkness and you can just pretend they're not there. Yeah. But when you do it on telly, suddenly it's like, oh, phew, there's 3,000 people and I can see them all. And I can see every single one that gets up and goes for a wee or that's shuffling in the seat or, you know, I can see it all. So that's quite daunting. Daunting, terrifying, and, yeah. Um, but I remember the first TV series I did was... Um, Stand up for the week, which yeah, is yeah, filmed yeah, yeah. Uh, Clapham Grand. Yes, and yeah. similarly there, the audience were lit, and I remember it. Be, it I mean, someone could do a thesis on audience dynamics. <laughs> I find it all fascinating, but the audience would clap everything there. And I remember when it was on telly, people would go, "Oh, that's got to be canned applause." Like people don't <laughs> clap that much. And you go, they do because they're so self-conscious. When you've got a camera in your face, yeah, it's, it's much so less cool. embarrassing to clap your hands than it is to throw your head back and laugh. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's just really weird dynamics happen with TV stand up. That's, that's it's very different to in a in a, uh, a live venue. Yeah, can you? And so people watching it on telly, they're not getting the same experience. No, at no, all. no. Can Can you tell me how Newsjack came around? Because I'm a big fan of that. And also, mm. how did Mock the Week come around? Because you're a perfect guest on that. When when you're on it, I know I'm going to have a good time because you're you're Aww. not afraid to butt in and say your piece, and it's always <laughs> hilarious. No, thank you. I, I mean, I love doing Mother Week now. I'm doing, yeah. In fact, next week will be my thirtieth episode. Wow! So, um, Congratulations. Quite excited about that. Thank you. Yeah. It's um, well, News Jack was um, I auditioned for it. I was asked to audition for it. So um, who, it was Nish was hosting it before me, yeah, and sort of said he was going to be leaving. And obviously I love Radio 4 comedy and yeah. up to that point, I think I'd done, I'd been a guest on News Quiz, I think at that point on the Now Show and things like that. And um, so I was sort of put forward as one of the hosts and, and there were several people auditioned um, and I got the job, which was amazing. And it was such a good show to do that. because it is. It's, it's, it's so well done and you're very good at bringing everybody in who you've got on Aww. it and, and balancing it out and it's 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 just wonderful to listen to well i really enjoyed my time on that show because yeah. it feels like it's doing something really because it's open access if people listening watching don't know anyone can submit jokes to news jack yeah, yeah and they do yeah. and they get on air you know and it's one of the only ways really to get a foot in the door to get your stuff on air at bbc it's, you know it's a hard and it's mm. competitive um, so it's a really good open access show, and so I'm really I was really proud to be part of that to sort of yeah, yeah, get new talent, yourself, find new yeah. writers, new and you know they would have because um, Newsjack would be the presenter and then three actors to do the sketches with the presenter. Yeah, and, and of course I'm not an actor really, and and uh, I'd be with these professional actors. They're doing all their clever voices, and I was like, well, 
all the characters are going to sound like me, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> that's just... Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but they were great, and they would get new people on that. Um, you know, they were just coming through, new actor, new young actors and things. So it was always really exciting and young and a fun thing yeah, to yeah. do. There's something, um, there's something wonderful about TV and radio recordings. One of my, one of my favourites was um, we went to a recording of Have I Got News For You, and nobody knew who the guest presenter was going to be. And it was the first time Bruce Forsyth did it. Oh, and uh, it was just incredible. It was his comeback. And there's a bit on it where he's trying to read the autocue and he's going, da 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 And I'm above <laughs> Ian Hislop's head with my mate. And I am crying with laughter. And my mate's got a loud clap. And we're, we're like going 10 to the dozen. And he turns around and he goes, please, this is satire. And I just collapsed. With, and you can hear me as clear as day on the video. And I thought, oh, that's, that's magic. <laughs> he was just spectacular. And I love this. <laughs> Mock the Week is very much like that, where mm. I've been in two or three of them in the recordings, where, as you say, a lot more gets recorded and it's all edited up. But it's, but, but it's fascinating, yeah. the answer that, that you gave, because um, you, for me, you can't beat the live experience. You know, it is, it is yeah. extraordinary because you never know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. Who are your favourite comedians, past and present? It's so hard. It's always such a hard question, and I always come away going, "Oh, I didn't mention." <laughs> did, did, did I mean, you, I love comedy. comedy growing up, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I growing up. I mean, my parents both loved Monty Python, oh. so I was brought up on the Monty Python films, and yeah, the, yeah, you know, yeah. And um, and I loved. Well, I say Radio Four comedy. Yeah, my yeah. And I always say my my hero. Um, it was the late great Linda Smith. I oh. adored her, and yeah. I sadly never got to meet her and oh. uh, she passed away in 2006 that was tragic. but um yeah. really tragic and and what i loved about her was she was on the you know regular on the news quiz and which i loved listening to grew yeah, up listening yeah. to the news yeah. quiz and um she was the first person i ever heard on radio 4 who was from where i'm from and sounded a bit like me she's from kent like me yeah but she's also she's not posh she's not middle class she's not you know she was a proper working class girl from kent and i was like they yeah. Hang on a minute, it's a working class woman on yeah, my radio. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. never heard this before, you know, and, and she was the first person really that sort of opened that door for me to go, Oh, you are allowed on here. Mm, you are yeah. allowed to do this. Look, Linda's doing it and she's bloody brilliant at yeah, it. Yeah. And um and what I loved about her is she took no prisoners. She was she had this sort of, you know, friendly girl next door sort of mannerism, but she was acerbic and clever and witty and would take you down and she would um you know speak truth to power and all those things but in just such an accessible brilliant way without having to be nasty she was never you know she was just brilliant and um and sort of her and jeremy hardy yeah. together that was the really that was classic news quiz yeah. and they'll never be the same without them you know i totally agree um, i have i have both the books behind me um mm. I, um, when I first came to London, I've been in London 30 years, and um, Linda Smith was on the first bill I ever saw at the Comedy Store. Oh, and it amazing. was it was it was Richard Morton was comparing was Linda Smith, Steve Gribbin, who's been on here, oh, Patty Hayridge, and Phil Jupiter's. Oh, and, what a uh, line! Um, a, a few years ago, I went to the Edinburgh Festival, and they had um, the Linda Smith appreciation. Uh, show for the cancer uh, yeah research. loving linda yeah and we went yeah. and, and we went to that and um it was at the assembly the assembly and ne next door went into the weatherspoons after the show and there was hattie Heridge at the bar and i, I thought i've got to go up and chat and i had mm. it must have had a good hour talking to her about it because they used to be a double act they mm. used to go around london as a double act and you could see yeah. The, the same sense of humour. She was an extraordinary woman. And really I'm was. so pleased you did say that because there are shades of her in your act. And I'm, I oh, mean that, that as a compliment. Oh, that means a lot to me. <laughs> I, I, um, funnily enough, well, I'll tell you what, what happened, but her partner, um, Warren Lakin... Yeah, 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 who, he, he um, the book. Yeah, he compiled the book. He, he, exactly, he yeah. wrote the book about her. And... Um, yeah. After when I oh gosh when was this about 2013 and I in all the interviews and stuff I do I she's the person I 
mentioned as my you know hero yeah. my comedy hero yeah. my influence and all that and one day it was when I was doing stand up for the week and I remember it so clearly I was sat in the dressing room it was a night we were recording I was sat in the dressing room on my own had a, you know, had my lunch whatever and um, my phone rang and it was a number I didn't recognise but I answered it and it was Warren Lakin wow who I'd never met at this point and I get choked up just thinking about this and uh, he just said he'd got my number off oh. another comedian and he said I just wanted to thank you because he said I know you're sort of fairly new and you're just starting on telly and things like that he said but I every inter- I just keep seeing you mention Linda's, Linda's name all the time you know and I just want to thank wow. you for sort of keeping her memory you know talking about her and, and I'm so pleased Fantastic. that she and, and we spoke on the phone for ages and then he said um, he said to me would you like to come and see her archive like all of her stuff wow. so her archive he gave after he wrote the book and compiled the book he gave all her notebooks and posters and tapes and everything in her archive to the University of Kent, which That's has right. a comedy archive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I went with Warren. We spent the day at the University of Kent and just like looking at her notebooks wow. and her writing and listening to tapes from like the 80s when she was doing open spots. And and it was so... I never got to meet Linda or work with her, but it was the closest I could get to her. And it was a real privilege to do that. And I, you know, Warren is a firm friend now like him and his partner Debs now are just big parts of my life and I I love them to bits and it, it's sort of a, although I never got to meet or work with Linda it's just to, to be part of th- that sort of group of people you know to to have been able to work with Jeremy on the news yeah, 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 yeah. What was a, a dream come true story, I know that it's just, just such fantastic. a warm generous lovely man Warren and for him to have made that phone call to me, he didn't have to do that, you know, and it meant the world to me, it meant I'm, the absolute world. I'm so, so pleased for you because when I first saw you all those years ago, I thought, Linda Smith, I, straight away I thought, there's, there's the similarities here and I loved mm. Linda Smith and I knew I would love you and you have made me laugh so much in that vein over the years. It's extraordinary. Oh, um, oh you're going to get me crying. <laughs> <laughs> you're like bloody um, Piers Morgan. <laughs> the, reason, the, the reason I asked the, quest, the question to everybody, it's fascinating who the, who the heroes are. Um, mm. My first ever act was Les Dawson in 1975. Oh. I was eight. And um, uh, a year later, we saw Tommy Cooper, and I, I was hooked. And um, uh, uh, it was just one great comedian after another. And I thought, mm-hmm. I've got something here. Just write it all down. And, and of course, hence the blog. Um, That's great. It's really great. Uh, like me, well, you mentioned earlier, um, you do go to a lot of gigs as a member of the audience or you did do um, mm. when you're on a comedy bill do you tend to watch them all on the bill or um, do you still do that now do you still go to comedy gigs now as a member of the audience yeah I, I sadly I don't tend to go to many gigs that just because because I work in a lot in the evenings when yeah. I'm not working in the evenings I want to be at home with my fellow and my dog yeah um, <laughs> Of course. You know, that's the sad <laughs> truth of it. And, and it is a sad thing. I was talking about this with my friend, you know, Phil Gerrard, the comedian. We were yeah, talking yeah. about this the other day, and I was like, it's sort of, in a way, doing comedy has kind of ruined comedy for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can understand. It doesn't yeah, yeah. feel quite like a night out anymore than it does. Yeah. But I still will, you know, if there's somebody I'm dying to see that I haven't seen, or someone's come from America or something. Like, actually, unfortunately, it got cancelled because of COVID, but I had tickets to see Steve Martin. So did um, I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Year, you yeah, know, and yeah. um, Mike Short and, and yeah, things like that. Yeah. You know, obviously they, those sort of things still really excite me. Yeah. And I, if I'm doing a gig nine times out, unless I'm doing two gigs in a night, so I have to go between the two, or, um, you know, if I've got a really long drive and I just need to hit the road, yeah. usually I will stay and watch a gig. Particularly if I'm closing a gig, I like to get there from the beginning because right. I think I think it's good to, especially at a live gig, you'll know, as a seasoned connoisseur, <laughs> stuff happens in the room at a yeah, live yeah, gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and it can be a, there can be a thing that runs through the whole night, you yeah. know, be it one audience member or, you know, something that's happened in the room yeah, or whatever yeah, that can yeah. run through the night. And that can really, it makes it really special when that happens. It makes everyone feel like this is something we're experiencing that no one else is. Yeah. And if you then come in to headline that gig and you've missed all of that, 
and so you don't reference it, then it, you're sort of missing these opportunities to have some fun. That's interesting. You know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I like, yeah. I do like to watch the whole gig. Also, I like to see, you know, if there's new comics I haven't seen yet, mm. it's always exciting to watch new comics. Of course. Um, yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, you know, you might have not necessarily the same material, but you might have things on a very similar theme to someone else. And if three comics have already done material about, you know, I don't know, trains or whatever, you might think, oh, do you know what? I won't do my trains bit. They've had enough of trains tonight. <laughs> yes, you know, or whatever, so you just to sort to, yeah, of... Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just to sort of yeah. go, I think we've covered that. I yeah. won't do that. Um, so it is good to see the other act. But sometimes yeah. it's just not practical. Sometimes you might have two or three gigs in a night. So you're yeah. going from one yeah. to the next. So yeah. you do end up just turning up, going on stage bugging off again the next one yeah yeah um, it's just the nature of it unfortunately just, but, yeah just following on from that um how have you found online gigs as opposed to live gigs mm -hmm. have you done many of them what do you think the future of live comedy is it's a really do you know what if you'd asked me this question two years ago yeah i would say, don't be silly you can't do gigs online <laughs> is what i would have said um <laughs> And I was nervous, like the first, but I was very lucky in that the first online Zoom gig I did was the COVID arms gig. Oh, which I've been was, there. Yeah. It was incredible. So well yeah. run. And yeah. so, and because that was the first one I did, it was in May last year. So yeah. I guess I've been doing online gigs for a year now. Yeah. Um, and, and you sort of very, I very quickly realized what it is you need to do. Like you just sort of work out from doing a couple. So I've probably done 50 odds, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. done quite a lot. And um, you sort of work out how to play it. You know, obviously it's not the same as being in a room full of people, but it really has its positives, mm. I think, doing online gigs. Mm. One is I would say to people, if you haven't been to an online gig yet, it's not what you think. You, you think it will be weird and a bit eggy and a bit weird. It's actually a lot more inclusive than you think. Yeah. It's, you can see everybody, you know, you can sort of play with people, but in a really nice way. It's not, you know... Um, sort of disruptive or yeah, yeah. it's just a different way of playing with an audience which is really fun and what it's done and I think you cannot overestimate how incredible this is is it's opened up live comedy because even though it's online it's still live it's still happening in the moment it's not being edited it's not you know being edited and packaged up and then handed to you yeah it's all happening in the moment and it's opened up live comedy to people who might not have been able to see exactly, it before Be yeah, that yeah. through disability through mental health through anxiety yeah, through having yeah. kids at home you know whatever uh, is opened up this world and suddenly the, the, they can see the people they've seen on what the week or on the radio or whatever they can see those people it loose you know in a looser way in a more live way and they can see people they won't see on the telly for whatever reason you know and i just think I really hope that when, obviously I'm looking forward to performing live again, obviously that's magical and there's nothing like it, but the Zoom gigs are a really close second, I think, as long as you work out what, how to play them yeah, yeah. and, and you know, what your expectations of them are as a performer. Yeah. So I think, I think what happens a lot, and I've seen it a few times, is people go, oh, this is going to be shit, and they go on and treat it like it's going to be shit, and so they don't enjoy themselves. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. The, then the audience, you know, and it becomes a sort of self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. Yeah. But I think if you go on and you're like, right, it is what it is, and I'm just going to have fun with it. I've had some amazing nights online, really amazing. I, I, um, I totally agree with you. I think, I think when it first started off, I, I always look at it as a super substitution to the real thing because mm. when it first started off, <clears throat> there was no audio. So, of course, somebody like me, I was sitting here laughing at four walls and I thought <laughs> I was going to be taken away. But um, when, they, when they opened up the uh, audio on it, um, that was brilliant because the comedians could sense the timing, the rhythm of their act, they knew mm. where they could sense where the laughs were going to be and it opened it up so widely that you're mm. right anybody could join in um and I, not only do i go to always be comedy I, I started going to happy mondays with sean sean james yeah. and uh, i go to boothby graffos one on a thursday and i go to jarlett's on a friday the the uh, return of the crack Brilliant. And um, every one of them, they were all done so well, and and it was it it was so so great to see mm. and to see it carry on because all the comedians have obviously suffered. It's it's horrible what's what's happened in the inter in mm. in in the year that we've that, that we've had, but I've just started going back to live gigs, 
and by God, do I miss them? Because yeah. you, it is of the moment. You know, you, I love to go out for a few beers on a Saturday night, and then go to the go in and sit there and go right. Who's going to make me laugh tonight? And mm -hmm. I and I tend not to work out who's going to be on. And then when they, they are on, it's such a delight to see characters <laughs> like yourself. Your face, Ridge, it's so lovely. I love it. <laughs> I just think, I think you're wonderful. absolutely right, because there's nothing like, it's a night out, isn't it? It's yeah, not, yeah. And it's not even yeah. just the comedy. Yeah. It's the go yeah. for a bite to eat, yeah. have some, yeah. a pint with your mates and, beforehand, and, and, you know, have a chat and, about it afterwards. It's such oh. a positive thing as well that you're doing. Mm -hmm that that what what's not to love you know and mm. and and if there's somebody on that you really like like your good self i it's just joyous i i have such a great time and uh you know it's I the can't, same for us you know it. there's nothing like that feeling yeah. of of making a room full of people laugh yeah. like it sounds really but it, it it's it's a drug like yeah, there's yeah. a reason we're yeah. all mad comedians yeah. we're all addicts right <laughs> <laughs> to whatever it is that that does to our bodies we want more of it and we want it all yeah, the time yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and you like the the what i think's been very impressive this year i think what we've seen is that comedians comedy promoters the comedy industry are an innovative bunch and that when it all you know the shit hit the fan last year it's yeah. like everything's shut people went what can we do not you know just oh well it's over mm, but what mm, can we do mm. and of course at first it was a bit eggy and it took a while to work out how to do it and yeah. it took a while to work out how to get the best out of an online gig but we got there you know and yeah. online gigs now are great and what i my hope for the future is that i think there's a world where those two things can happen to that you know it doesn't have to be all online it doesn't have to be all live and i think when I the think club comedy right. clubs open up again that will be brilliant, but I hope that doesn't mean that all the online stuff disappears because I think there's a world full of people that can access the online stuff that will really miss it when it Very goes, or so. if it goes. Yeah. I, think, I think if the venues could have it, they may <laughs> put a screen in or a, or a camera in so it could be, it could be yeah. an online thing as well. Yeah. Because I think live streaming live gigs would be great. Yeah. Why not? Because um, so. the technology's not hard now. We've yeah. worked out how to do it. But I think also there's space for just doing online gigs for people yeah. who, for whatever reason, can't leave their house. Yeah. You know, why should they not get entertainment? Yeah. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, and now we've proved we can do it and yeah. it's fun and yeah. people want to keep coming back. And, you know, you, you I've done these all these different gigs, like you mentioned a handful of them then. Yeah. Uh, and I get there and some of the same people do pop up. Your good self, you know, and you go, oh, I've seen you at a gig before. There's an audience. Yeah, they're ready. Yeah. What? Who want that? You yeah, know, well, and a lot of people that. Yeah, yeah, I really it's, hope that it, it's it carries on in some way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Just before we go, and I have had an absolute. It's been a joy talking to you. I could oh, talk to you all night. I really could. Same, Rich. Um, same. Uh, is there anything else you would like to say? Have you got any online mm. gigs coming up? Have you got any podcasts? Have, have you got? got where up? can people find you on social media? Ah. That sort of thing. Well, I, I do a podcast with um, the lovely uh, John O'Farrell. Yes. Um, who some of your listeners, watchers will know from, he used to be um, a, a writer on Spitting Image yeah. and Have I Got News For You and things like that. And then he's written lots of brilliant books and stuff. And we do I've a podcast together. Yeah, yeah. They're very funny. Yeah, yeah, he's a yeah. very funny man. Yeah. Um, don't tell him I said that. <laughs> and, um, and he's a lovely, and I really, it's my passion project, really, our, our podcast it's called we are history and it's um a history podcast but a silly one yeah. you know we don't take so we do the reading it is you know you will learn something but but hopefully you'll have a giggle as well it's not like a dry history podcast because we found i love history it's my sort of nerdy thing but i found a lot of history podcasts are just a bit dry a bit <laughs> empty, you know <laughs> and I thought I want something that gets people interested in history but in a way where it's just like listening to a couple of mates chatting about yeah. it down the pub and that's the sort of vibe we're going for brilliant uh, yeah. you know and, and we love doing it it's a lot of so we've just finished our third series mm. um, so we're having a little break over the summer but there's you know 50 odd episodes on there to, to catch up on brilliant. if you want to listen to yeah 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 are you writing a new show have you got a new stand-up show ready or no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to get you nervous. <laughs> it's that thing, sort of, everyone goes, every comedian seems to be in the same boat at the moment. Go, yeah, the world's opened up. Oh, God, I haven't written anything for a year and a half. 
Oh God, I was too busy learning to crochet. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I will be. I will. Uh, hopefully, all be well. Be touring next year, 2022. Um, this year, I'm I'm finishing a book at the moment, an audio book for Audible. So that'll be out later in the year. Right. Um, all being well, and um, so this year is all about getting my book finished, yeah. getting married, yeah, and then just sort of gradually getting back into the swing of being yeah. a proper comedian again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing live shows. So hopefully by 2022. I'll have a show ready to go. Brilliant. Well, um, uh, where can people find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter. I'm just at Angela Barnes. Yeah. And on Instagram, I'm at Angela underscore Barnesy. So it's just Barnes with a Y on the end. Right. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to get better at Instagram because it's just a nicer place than Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm just a bit slow because I keep forgetting to take photos of things. I'll like eat a meal and then go, that was lovely. I should have taken a picture of it, but I didn't. Um, you know. I'm trying to get better at it. So, yeah, come and follow me on there. But, yeah, follow me. Um, oh, and also at We Are History Pod on Twitter for our mine yeah. and John O'Farrell's history stuff. Brilliant. Yes. Well, um, um, I cannot wait to see you live and online again soon doing what you do uh, best. You're one of and, the funniest and same comedians. For you. <laughs> I'm telling you, you made, you've made me laugh so, so much over the years. Keep, please keep doing what you're doing. And thank you so much for tonight. Thank you, Rich. Total pleasure. And I can't wait to give you a hug in real life. <laughs> You're very kind. Thank you so much for your time and all the best to you. <laughs> Thank you.